When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the All NBA Show, part of the All City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mares, and I'm joined on this Monday by my esteemed colleague, freshly hungover from watching football all day yesterday, Tim Legos. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great. All right, quick. We always do our football on Monday. You know that. Uh, my yeah. quick football rant. So I didn't have a rooting interest in the game necessarily because I'm a Washington fan. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, I, I was so annoyed because I, I'm in L.A. for a few days, and I – didn't realize when I when this travel was booked, I literally took off at exactly the start of the first game, five and a half hour oh, trip. Man. So I had five and a half of the six hours I was on a, I was on a plane. Now, of course, nowadays you know they have great Wi Fi on planes. Well, Delta right. does, not American Airlines. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill American Airlines right now. <laughs> They've got their their AA in flight Wi Fi, and I was able to watch like five to 10 seconds of streaming video and then it would be like 10 minutes dark oh that's the worst so that was kind of how i watched the entire first game and a good portion of the second game and then i was able to get on the ground it was halftime of the second game and then i could start watching it on my phone in real time so very entertaining obviously and i was i was kind of yeah. disappointed i wanted to see detroit get to the super bowl yeah, it, man, the, you could say the football was great this weekend and the basketball was bad. That's one of the ways to put this story. <laughs> there you go. Some very good teams lost to some not very good teams. There were some blowouts. There was a lot of that going on. Do you remember, Legs, back in the day, when I was in college, this is pre-smartphone and everything else, I remember I'd have there was a phone number you could call to get the latest scores. And I yep. remember this is how, in my 20s, my early 20s, this is how I got scores to games. I'd be so curious who won the Nuggets game. I have to call this number and wait for them to get to the Nuggets score, and then they'd tell you. So Absolutely, absolutely man. The diehards. You had, to, you had all kinds of stuff you had to go through to get yeah. that get that information, man. Now it's right, right there at our fingertips at all times. There you go. Uh, guys, today we are presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. On today's show, we are going to talk about Embiid in Denver not playing again. We're going to talk about the Clippers and Celtics, the Clippers, the hottest team in basketball. We're going to talk about why and how much we're buying into it. And then a scoring bonanza over the weekend. Luca going for 73, Devin Booker going for 40 every night, 61 of those. And then, of course, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about Tim Legler's five players he most would hate to guard in today's NBA for various reasons. It's a very interesting list, so we'll get to all of that. But, Legs, first we start. Earlier this year, I took a lot of heat because I said in the midst of Embiid's with the scoring explosion against Washington, against Detroit and all this, I said – I just feel that he always ducks the tough games, and if you look at the games he misses, he seems to always miss road games, and he always misses road games in marquee matchups. Well, coming into Saturday, rivalry week for the NBA, an ABC game, Embiid is not listed on the injury report. And not only is he not listed, but you have major NBA newsbreakers tweeting about how he is available, active, and ready to play. 
an hour and a half before the game, Nick Nurse goes to the podium, speaks to the media, and he says he's ready to go. He's ready. He's active. Everything's a go. 15 minutes before the game, after the fans had already paid their ticket prices and filled into the stands, Embiid is a late scratch from not on the injury report to completely out. Now, Legs, I'm tough on this because I took heat for it two months ago when I predicted this would happen. And the fact that it happens and people are acting surprised to me is the most frustrating part. But I'm curious. I'm not as objective as you are in this matter. Were you surprised to see him be a late scratch? And were you bothered by the fact that he wasn't even on the injury report, goes through warmups, and then is a late scratch? Um, are you? Do you find it as curious as I did? My answer to both is yes. A yes, surprised and bothered by it. And and because of the way that it played out, and there's a lot of layers to this, man. So this, we might have thought this was going to be a quick conversation. I think there's a lot to this. So, mm. and the, it starts with this. This and this is where the league, they 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 have now publicly proclaimed that this is a problem for the NBA after telling us for five years that load management was the way to go and that like guys that it's all about preservation, preservation, and this is going to extend guys careers and they're going to be less injuries. And then they've now come out multiple times this year and said, the data doesn't support that at all. It doesn't reduce injuries. There's nothing to it. And they basically put rules in place even this year for the first time to sort of address it. And I said at the beginning, when these rules came out, they're, they're, they're absolutely worthless. Because all it takes is a guy to say, or a team to say, or a trainer to say, or a medical staff to say, ah, that doesn't really yeah. feel right. Something doesn't right. feel right. Okay, what are you supposed to do? You'll make a guy play? So, I listen, they have guys now on staffs that have a lot of weight when it comes to this stuff. Now, listen, it's a different era, and I'm not there to know how these conversations take place, Adam, okay? Because right. – Someone, I, you know, I've been asked this question a hundred times in the last couple of days. Is it a situation where literally someone is exam is looking at Embiid move around and they see him maybe do a little twinge with his face or he has a little gimpiness, whatever, and then they go over to him and there's a conversation and then they go, well, you know, we're shutting it down. And then that's it. It's taken out of his hands completely at that point. Or is there any pushback and fight back on the part of the player? So let's just assume that there really was something going on with him there in warm-ups or whatever he felt something and this conversation takes place is it literally completely out of his hand because i that's a new mentality for me that wasn't the case when i played like you would get into a legitimate debate with the player and a lot of times a player was going to win that debate no i'm playing forget it i don't hear another word about it i am playing and then that was kind of the end of it now i do feel like there are guys on staff that have a lot of power when it comes to this man and it's like their word is final word now I, having said all that, I don't know to what extent it'd be even pushed back at all, right. if at all. Did he did he kind of take advantage of the fact that they were going to let him have that under up? Did he not want to play in this game for some reason? I don't understand why. You have been statistically dominant in the matchups the last couple. You have you know you just beat him in Philly and outplayed him. Why would you want to avoid him? So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so I just don't know, Adam, how it all plays out in terms of the mechanism once it becomes out there to, hey, there's something going on with Joel. Okay, well, Nick Nurse is involved. The staff, medical staff's involved. Joel Embiid is involved. The trainer's involved. And these people all kind of go back and forth? Or is it 
this one person on the medical staff that has the ultimate say. No, no, we got to shut it down. It's not. And now the head coach has this information. He can't play him. There's nothing you can do because you can't risk that getting out. Oh, we heard yeah. he had tweak and I played him anyway. So it, there's so many layers to how the decision is made. Um, but but we don't know. We'll never know with Joel Embiid yeah. legitimately feeling something. And when you talk about injuries, Adam, you just it's really tough for us in the media to question it because you don't know what that guy is feeling. You would hope if it's minor, the competitive juices would 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 impel you to play in this game. And I think that's where we get bothered by it. And the late timing of the notice when it seems like he's fine, it even caught both coaches off guard. That was weird to yeah. me. Both coaches were like completely off, off, caught off guard by this, and they voiced that. Right. So it was a and very strange situation. It obviously lends itself to historical data. He hasn't played there in four straight years. There's okay. That 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 becomes. He's only played there twice in nine years. He's only played there it's twice. A, One was like 2017. That's absurd. I mean, it's 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 more than an anomaly. There's something going on. And having said all of that, how do you how do you get to the bottom of what actually occurred? You can't. You can't. It's going to stay in house. Some conversation took place, and they shut it down. And at that point, Nick Nurse, it's out of his hands. At that right. point, once anything is said about him not feeling right, and it's just a shame. Of course, again, for the fans, they're the ones that always get the short end of this. It's the fans that pay the price when things like this happen. Very expensive ticket price to that game. Marquee game on ABC, middle of the day on a weekend. It was a big game. I mean, it was a big game in Denver. When you look at this calendar, as a Denver Nuggets fan, when you look at the calendar, that was a top two or three game that you circled and said, hey, all right, that's the one. If I'm buying tickets, how much are the tickets to that game? Because that's a big one. So there's also, to, uh, to with you, I always take the fans' perspective on these things and, and think, okay, well, how would they have felt? That place was packed, the tickets were up, and they get a late scratch, a late no warning. You paid the price to get in the door, and then right before tip-off, you get that. I am way more incredulous about the story than you are, and only because I've been watching the story un uh, unfold for the last five or six years. But this idea of, oh, maybe the team sat him down. They didn't like what they saw. Embiid has the title right now, the same that Shaq had, which is people are reluctant to say he's the best player. Some will, you know, whatever. But they will say he's the most dominant player. But I, and my point when I brought this up two months ago, because again, seeing the multi-year data on this, when I brought this up, I said, he's dominant, but how many players would look more dominant if they cut out their top 10 toughest games of the year from their schedule? You just cut those games out, take them out. You would look dominant too. I think Embiid matches up with Jokic and is very comfortable in that matchup. This is not a thing where I think he's afraid of Jokic, but I do think there is something too. 11 games missed, nine of them have been on the road. There's just something to, yeah, but I might not be able to put up 40 tonight at New Orleans, at Minnesota. This might be a game where I only put up 25 and have to really eke out a thing. And he skipped those ones. And I think the same thing happened here. I think there's something to the fatigue factor. We know if Embiid has a weakness, it's the fatigue factor. You go to Denver. By the way, he also misses his Utah games historically. He doesn't play those two, those two matchups. And I just think there's something to, he likes the dominant, uh, you know, moniker. He likes to be known as the dominant guy. And one way you do that is to cut out some of these ones. So I to cut out some of the tough games. So for me, I just can't because I predicted it because it happened exactly yeah. the way I predicted. I just have a hard time saying, yeah, but maybe it's out of his hands. Not five years in a row. It's not out of your hands. No, that's and that's what I'm saying. It's not an anomaly. And look, what it all boils down to is the same thing, right? There, there there's a softness. There's a softness that exists in the NBA. 
that is there and it's it's irrefutable and this is an example of it because your competitive juices should want you to go up against this guy every chance you get right, right. no matter what you're feeling you're going to get through it and you're going to play against this guy because you are right now the two guys that are the standard bearers for the top of this league and two guys that are going to be jockeying again for mvp in this league you want those moments you live for those moments if you're an athlete all I'm saying is, and, and I'm gonna. I saw a comment by uh, this Daniel Hall saying okay. that, oh, oh, I work for ESPN. I'm an, and we're Embiid apologists. I don't have any idea where garbage like that comes out of somebody. Yeah, come on, guys. Uh, I, I don't. I don't have a narrative ever dictated to me. Not one word out of my mouth has ever been dictated to me by any person that works at ESPN. And I, that's why I've been there 23 years. I speak my mind and I'm honest about it. I'm speaking though as a former player, and I'm just telling you that. When a player says that there's something, that he feels something, the mentality today is different than when I played. And it is impossible for coaches to then sort of try to, you know, talk a guy into playing. It's out of your hands. They have enabled people on these staffs, on these teams to make these decisions. Okay, look, and I, so what the conversation really is, if we're gonna if we're gonna put this point blank, what we're really saying is, was Embiid faking it? Or was there not even really anything at all? And then the, the team did this. Well, that's not what Nick Nurse sounded like. Nick Nurse sounded annoyed. He sounded annoyed that he was dealing with this. So this is something between Embiid and the medical staff that took place before that game. Okay? So what we're saying is, is he faking it? And all I'm saying is there's no way to know that. There is no way to know that. And it's very dangerous to say that there's nothing wrong with the dude. You just can't do it. It's impossible to know it. We can't know it. What we're really saying is, how bad could it have been to preclude you from playing in this game? That's what we're saying, and I completely agree with that. Because clearly it's nothing serious. It's got to yeah. be something minor. And if it's minor, how do you not want this light? Go go play in the brightest light there is, which is against this player and this team. Go out there. You just outplayed him in Philly, and you won the game. What's the issue? I completely agree with everything you're saying. I'm just saying there has to be a little room left in the conversation yeah. for what if he did feel something that didn't feel right to him. That's all I'm saying because at that point in this league, in the modern era, that means we've got to shut you down. Because yeah. no one can risk that. The, the, the assets that these guys represent to these organizations, you, no coach is going to be in that position. They're not even going to try to talk a player into it. As soon yeah. as they get that word, well, I guess he's out. That's all I'm saying. And we don't know to what extent he felt something. I certainly agree with you, Adam, and what most people feel. And who knows what this has done to Embiid's national narrative when it comes to this award and maybe it doesn't matter to him i don't know well you know there's no telling about that either but it seemed like he took control after the 70 point game again and if you just look at what vegas is saying he's come back to the pack dramatically right. and i think him well, sitting this game has a lot to do with it well i have a sneaky suspicion he wants to lose the mvp you know we talked about it the other it's day but you get to him yeah, you get two MVPs and you don't have a championship. Now the playoffs have a little extra pressure. It almost, to me, feels like he's going to hand it away so that everybody will say, yeah, but he should have had it. We already saw it, by the way. After the 70-point game, everybody was, this 65-game rule is stupid. I can't believe we're ruining it. And I sit here and go, I just hate it. There is an Instagramification of the NBA, in my opinion, 
where players, and what I mean by that is, you know, people, when Instagram came out, everybody wanted to present themselves in the prettiest light. Oh, don't take an ugly picture of me. Don't post that. I only want the prettiest version of me out in the world. And I think the NBA players, by and large, have this vulnerability for seeing seeming mortal. And Embiid right now has, what, the second highest point-per-game scoring average of the last 30 years at 36. And I think there's something, too. Maxie's out. Tobias Harris is out. I'm probably, if I play today, I'm probably going to lose. It's going to be hard. They're going to overload on me. My numbers look bad. I might look bad today on national television. I don't no. want that. I can't allow that. So why don't we just sit this one out so I don't look bad and vulnerable? Well, more more importantly, to, to that point i think it's that's to me the most compelling point in in, in terms of criticism directed at joel Embiid. other guys are sitting so you're going to go out there and play is there a fear you're going to be exposed that you can't carry a team in that situation and you lose by 35 and you play normal. how much damage does that do to you and i think this is what goes to guys minds that never did before it's right. a brand right. these guys are brands now right. it's more than just I have Sixers on the front of my jersey, and I want to go out there and represent the team every night, and more importantly, every night I want to outplay, outplay the guy that's in front of me. Like, that was yeah. your mentality, and that, that was every guy on the roster. If you were a backup shooter coming off the bench like I was, guess what? I wanted to outplay their backup shooter coming off the bench every night. Right. Okay? And if there was <laughs> right. a dude, and I led the league in three-point shooting, if, if there was a guy yeah. in the top five and we were about to play them, guess what, man? I was digging in defensively to make sure that guy didn't get the airspace, yeah. okay? Because we're fighting here out here for our turf, man, and our pecking order and where we are in the league. And that's what this is about. And, and so the mentality was always about that's what you did it for, accountability to your teammates, accountability to the organization, and then just your personal pride kicking yeah. in. You were tired and sore and, like, everybody is all the time at this time of the year. And all of these are valid points. And it's fair to challenge Joel Embiid on this. And it's weak. It's weak that he didn't play. There's no other way to put it. Right. Um, but unfortunately, this is the norm. This happens yeah. all the time in this league. And this is an extreme example because this is the same circumstances every year on your one trip to a specific place against a specific player. It's weird at this point. But, right. it, you, but this happens all the time around the league man. guys like how many games do you put on that are marquee matchups man you can't wait for certain individual matchups and one of those guys isn't playing and the league they tried to put some you know to put something on that and say hey let the maybe this well and i knew right away well that's nice at least you acknowledged it right it's a problem for the fans the sponsors and the networks it right. is a problem you acknowledged it we all knew it and finally, the league acknowledge it. But this is window dressing. This isn't going to affect it because you know what, Adam? You and I talk about this all the time. You won't change it until the ideology of the yep. player changes. And unfortunately, it's, yep. it's going the other direction. Because now it's even – this is what the top flight AAU players who are going to be the, the, the one and dunners who are going to be your first-round draft picks – this is what they are watching every night, and they're seeing what guys do, and they expect that treatment when they get to the league. It's the way it works. And yeah. unfortunately, until the ideology around it changes, where you get dudes that flat out can't imagine missing a game unless they're legitimately hurt, until that comes back, you're going to have more of these discussions, unfortunately. 
Let's move on now to uh, another game that actually did take place full, at relative full strength. The Clippers going into Boston and becoming the second team to beat Boston on their home floor, but they didn't just beat them, Legs. They smacked them up 33 points at one point in this game, complete domination, and they did all, they did all of that by just making 10 threes, 10 of 40. Both teams actually 10 of 40 in this game. But this is an impressive win to go in and win by that margin in Boston. What did you see from this one? Yeah, well, I'm glad we're talking about this. Also, by the way, if you want to see, I'm, I'm going to do, a, I think, a pretty cool touchscreen breakdown on this on NBA Today today, this exact game, uh, because I've, you know, look, all the games you and I both watch, it, it's been rare that I have been this impressed with a team <laughs> defensively because yeah. they're, they're not only just playing hard, which unfortunately, I, I can't say that I think every team's playing hard defensively every night. Um, they not only played hard, their best players, we're laying it on the line with multiple efforts defensively. Right. So that's first. Their commitment to sprinting back to match up in transition to take away Boston's early threes and early early transition drives that they love to beat you with. The number of plays where five guys were sprinting back to get ahead of the ball was really impressive. And then finally, the length on their individual players, Tatum Brown, Derek White, the Holiday, like the four guys – that really like to operate in one-on-one -on -one spaces and they can get to areas of the floor and, and get by you or rise up and shoot over you. They were affected and bothered. There was some hesitance and some reluctance to pull the trigger on some of their times when they went to a jump stop and you think they're going to go to a pull-up jumper and they would just jump and like kind of ball fake and then pass it because the length stayed with them. I was so impressed with Terrence Mann and Kawhi yeah. and Paul George. And, and honestly, here goes. His entire his entire career, I don't know that I've seen James Harden play harder defensively than I did in this he game. He was great. He he was so committed to like running out and jumping at three-point shooters like to contest. He was and, and it helps that Holiday is his kind of guard to play against because Holiday's not going to blow by you with like multiple dribble moves and like a burst of quickness. That's Harden's worst nightmare. He can play against Holiday. These two guys look like middle linebackers going at each other. You know, banging each other and banging each other in the chest, like trying to get downhill. That's Harden's style defensively. But there were plays like he's off the ball and he's rotating over all the way across to help on dribble penetration, like stuff you would never see him do when he was like averaging thirty-five points a game. So they even got him buying in. So impressed across the board of what they did. And if you want to send in your reel. To, to, to people to say, hey, this is our audition tape for, for NBA champion. That's the one that the Clippers from this season would send in. No question. And I thought that, you know, they've been on this win streak, and I thought that they've had some mediocre, medium games, medium hard even, but they hadn't had a real tough test. This was their toughest test, and they aced it. And to your point about James Harden, he only played 27 minutes, had nine points, eight rebounds, seven assists, a triple single. 2 of 11 shooting, 0 of 6 from 3. He's never had that stat line in a great game before. This was a great game. It was a great game. Plus 36, a game high, and he dominated. He set the table extremely well, and then defensively, to your point, he defended extremely well. And to me, that's the thing about this team. I think the Clippers and Celtics are very similar in how they play, their what their teams look like, you know, who they go to, their personnel. And I just watching this game, the Clippers were so much better at it. Yeah, so right. much more impactful, and that's why this game stands out. So now let's go to the Clippers. 
since November 7th, if you remember, they get James Harden, and you and I even kind of had a laugh. They lose five games in a row right after they get James Harden, and you think, all right, that's what we predicted. The vibe is off. The team's going to be bad. Since then, November 17th, we're going back two months, they have the best record in the NBA at 27-7. and seven. They're 13-2 and two in their last 15 games, and they're second on off in offensive rating, 11th in defense, and second in net. And actually, it's gotten better over time. That's going back two months. But if we just sample, cut that sample size in half, they're pretty much one in all categories. To me, I look at this and I go, it, I think they are actually unquestionably the best team in the NBA over the last 15 games, wherever you want to slice it. And that game, to me, proves it. Are you ready to go that far? Not saying they will be in the playoffs, but right now, at least, that they are the team that if you just had a game tomorrow, you would pick them to beat anyone? Yeah, probably would. And and they're they're now they've now over a stretch of time here consistently played at a level that thinks they're finals worthy. You know, this is a team that can right. win a championship. And and you know, I don't know that I didn't feel that way. Certainly, I, I said from the beginning, Harden didn't really move the needle for me because it's all about Kawhi Leonard's health. And Kawhi's been healthy and he's been yeah. great all year. Now Harden has played great for them because he's in a great lane. And and that's kind of what I kind of have embraced. This is the perfect spot for him. He's not he's not required to score or shoot a high percentage or be great late. He just has to pick his spots, you know, in a game. And he some nights he still gets cooking. He gets rolling pretty good, particularly when he's getting to his three point shot and knocking it down early. He's going to be more of a problem. But it's his his decision making with the ball, finding guys, making guys better, and then basically. Just give us give us adequate effort defensively so that you're not the guy that everybody's just going to go target, and he's been doing that. So I give him a lot of credit, man. He's, he's, he's played really well, and this stretch that they have had, and I think culminated with Saturday. That was like the cherry on top for them right now to saying, look, yeah. we can win it all this year. And certainly the talent that they have that speaks to that, but then it's like beyond that, it needed to see role definition and do you have the right. defensive commitment? And is Kawhi going to stay healthy? And all those things are in place. Even Amir Coffey, I thought was fantastic in this game. Yeah, his yeah. length and activity just mattered. Terrence Manns, you know, little things like picking up Tatum full court. Yeah, just it, it's that stuff matters over the course of a game. And I was just so impressed with everything they did. So yes, to your answer, uh, to answer your question, yeah, I think right now if you picked, you know, we gotta we gotta. Like a our own little in season tournament where it's one and done right. format. Yeah, according to that's exactly. I think it. I might pick right. the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily a, a playoffs. We got to get there. We got to see the different right. matchups. Teams get you know you see flaws over time. Right now they're new and teams haven't quite cracked that code. One thing I love about them, they did not have Zubats in this game. Right, Mason Plumley starts. You got Tice as your sort of a third string. I think that they have having two centers is such a big deal, especially two guys. Plumley and Zubats who don't care if they touch the ball or don't touch the ball. They can make plays on the short roll. They can rebound. They can do big man stuff, but they're not necessarily demanding the ball in any aspect. And when you have two guys, that means for 48 minutes, you're going to have the ability to run pick and roll and to run different actions. So James Harden can run with a starting lineup and play a certain way, but have his pick and roll option, go to a bench lineup and have another pick and roll option where he can continue to play the way he prefers to play for 48 minutes. I think that is an underrated part of this equation for them, that they have multiple big that they can throw out there. Um, well, how about, right. how about a starting, how about a start, how about a center lineup of, would you take 12 for 13 out of your center position for 26 points, 14 boards <laughs> and three blocks? 
I mean, that's what those two guys gave them, and they didn't share the court at all. They, they, you know, so they played 47 right. minutes, and that's their stat line. And they missed one shot collectively because they don't take any that they can't make. And Ticey can even step out and make threes. Um, right. No, I agree. And their 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 backline defense was great. When you've got pressure up, the way that they were getting into the chest of their perimeter players, the the number of picks that the Clippers perimeter players fought over in yep. this game was more than any game I've seen. Nobody went under. Nobody took the easy route. They went over the top. They got hard help from the center. And then the weak side was collapsing into the lane to take away the dive. And then flying out to the three-point line on the ball reversal. It's like literally a textbook drill that you do in camp. And if you want it, if you want it to look great and you move on to the next drill or go get a drink of water at practice, it looks like what the Clippers were doing in that game on Saturday. That's how impressed I was with it. Same as me, man. Same as me. Very impressed with them. Um, let's take a break, though. On the other side, some other impressive numbers over the weekend. Luka Doncic going for 73. Devin Booker can't help but score 40 right now. And scoring in general in the NBA is up, up, up. We're going to talk about that, whether it's a good thing and what's contributing to it on the other side. But first, check out the Game Time app. Now, I always talk about the Game Time app because they have last-minute deals. And here was a last-minute deal for you. Tickets to the 76ers game in Denver. I looked at the Game Time app. My wife was looking to go. $400 for the upper level. But you know, sometimes circumstances change, and maybe right before the game, a player is out. Those ticket prices plummet. If you were at that game and had not bought tickets till right before tip-off, you probably saw $400 tickets drop all the way down to $20, $30, $40, and you could have gone in and booed. Joel Embiid from the stands if you wanted to for skipping out on this game. The Game Time app has all those last-minute flash deals. You can even set notifications so they will pop up on your phone and tell you, hey, that ticket you had your eye on, it just dropped to the price you wanted. Should we pull the trigger on it? It's a great uh, feature on there as well as the all-in pricing so you know what there's no hidden fees. So download the Game Time app and create an account. Use code ALLNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, if you redeem that code ALLNBA when you sign up, you get $20 off. Download the game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Also want to tell you about our presenting sponsor today, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA is in full swing. And you can't get enough of the action. Spice things up with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers get five bucks, or bet five bucks and get $200 instantly in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. So if you would have taken Embiid's points over in that game, you would have lost, but you would have gotten $200 and instantly no matter what. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ALLNBA. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 878-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I think that was my most passive-aggressive ad reads ever, Legs. I might have gotten a little <laughs> passive-aggressive on that one. I apologize. Um, all right, let's get into over the weekend. There were some other games. I don't know if you noticed, but the season high was set last week. Single game scoring high. Not the 70 that Joel Embiid dropped on Monday, I'm, of course, talking about the 73 that Luka dropped over the weekend. Two 70-point games in one week. We had multiple 60-point games, two, two more 60-point games, and a whole bunch of 40-point games over the weekend. But let's start 
um, just by talking about Luca's 73. Because we spent some time on the other ones earlier on, what did you think when you saw that? I almost texted you, but I thought, oh, you know what? It's the weekend. Let's just take this one off. I don't want to be... <laughs> take some time to digest it. What did you think of seeing a 73-10-7 game from Luca? Well, obviously on the heels of what happened, you know, earlier in the week, right? And and you thought that was just one of those crazy nights where two guys like Embiid and Cat both went off. And you're like, okay, that was interesting. And that happens every you know, every now and then yeah. in the league. Some weird thing will happen on the, yep. on a given night, right? And I thought that's kind of what that was. When, when you get another one like that, and really two of them, but when you get the, the, that Luca to do that that close to what happened there, I kind of was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I wasn't watching the game. I went back and watched it after the fact. And I can honestly say, and I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, I didn't think there was such a thing as an easy 73 points in the NBA. I thought Luka Doncic had an easy 73 points. And I, I, I wish that we had sound that we could play because I watched the Atlanta Hawks feed. So their color analyst okay. is Dominique Wilkins. Right. I wish you could have heard Dominique Wilkins. And it started early. It was like middle of the first quarter. And, and Luka at that point probably had 8, 10 points, whatever. And Dominique's like, well, I'll tell you right now, if you don't switch something up on this coverage and do something different to get the ball out of his hands or, or, or run somebody at him and make him give it up, you, you know, this is just going to continue. He must have said that, I don't know, 12, 15 times as the game continued. And then he, I didn't even hear Dominique like the last few minutes of the game. I'm like, is he so mad he left the booth? Like he can't even believe what he's watching. Because it was that easy, like the number of uncontested layups or that just just easily getting to the rim and laying it in. And look, you're making step back threes like that. That's different, right? That's a tough shot. And right. some nights he's hot with it, some nights he's not. He got really hot with the shot that night. It was more the stuff going to the rim. And like, you know, I know they have smaller guards, even means more help should come. Right. You know, Quinn Snyder, they never really did anything like that. And Adam, it, it really drove home this point in my mind coaches are actually more paralyzed by the fear of a barrage of three-point shots right taken yep. against them okay because of the, the the mentality around the league and hunting that shot and the number of guys that can shoot it they're actually more paralyzed with fear of that happening to them then they are watching a guy just completely humiliate their team single-handedly. Oh. It's amazing. That also, as we talk about all the times, the change in like mentality around the league, that's a big difference well, now. It might because be smart, though, Tim, because this was a five-point game. You know, you give up a 73-piece to a guy and you, you have a chance to win it. And I think that there is – this is where the game has sort of been – I don't want to – solved is the wrong word, but – you know, we've we've moneyballed the NBA to where it's like, yeah, you know, you can't give up the 73 and seven. If you would have given up 73 and five assists, you win this game. So I think there is something too. teams are, to your point, more afraid of the ball getting around to everybody. And sometimes it's, hey, we're going to guard this guy one on one and we're not going right, to sell well, out. We're not even going to help. OK, let, let, let me let me let me play devil's advocate here, Adam. OK, do it. Let, let's say let's say you start running guys at Luca at some point when he's obviously going for a ridiculous number, like even middle of the yeah. second quarter, you start you start getting the ball out of his hands. How do you know that, you you know, you don't have a chance to if you're Atlanta, like you don't have a chance to win the game by 10 points. 
I mean, you know, so right. it's no guarantee that these guys are going to make those shots. Right. But you know one thing, this isn't going to change if you don't play him differently. If you allow him to continue to operate against smaller players, as strong as he is, as patient as he is with his dribble, with his finishing ability, and also this was also that rare night that Luca was like really good at the line because that's still like I think a weakness in his game. Yeah, you know, he only missed one free throw. He's eight for thirteen at one point. I think he was eight for nine from the three. Right. Uh, so he missed some late, but right. so he had a he had a rare like great shooting yeah. night like across the board for him. But you know, like if you're if you're Atlanta. You know, you could say that, hey, you know, it's a close game. I guess this is the right strategy. Well, no, not, not necessarily. How about you go make Grant Williams take a few more threes? Why don't you go make Derek Jones take a couple of those ones he doesn't want to take because you trap Luka and don't rotate to those players? And let's see if two guys who haven't shot the ball well from the three can make shots. Right. So it's one thing to say, well, it's a close game. Must have been the right strategy. Well, not necessarily. You could be up 12-15 if you're making other guys shoot the ball. That's my point. But right. to, to consistently kind of play it the same way, and 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 this guy just is just every time he's controlling the game to that extent, it's just difficult to think that as a coach myself, I could sit there and watch a guy operate like that on my team over and over and over, and 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 I'm just so crippled with the fact that I don't want role players getting open three point looks. I don't know. It's it's it's. But I think it plays into why we're seeing some of these huge scoring numbers out of these players. Because if you're getting the ball taken out of your hands, you can't get to 60. You can't get to 70. Right. You just can't. And so, or at least a mixture of coverages, you know, let's see some different looks, you know, but that's not what's happening. They're getting into such a comfort zone because they're physically overwhelming the guy that's in front of them. And there's not a lot of help. And they get to these comfort spaces, and you got to have the ability to, to play Powerball and finesse, which is the guys we're talking about can do it. Luca right. can do that. Joel Embiid can do that. Carl Anthony Towns can do that. You have to have the combination. Now, Booker, that's an exception because that's mostly you know guard, perimeter-based play. That's really hard to do. But the, the bigger, stronger guys that have better matchups in front of them, they can do whatever they want with those guys in a league where you don't get a lot of contact on them. So I just – I don't know. To me – to be that afraid of guys making threes that you're going to just stick with this and let a guy score 73 points on you. That's, 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 I don't know. That's just, that just defies like the way I view defense. They were probably hoping to hold him to 40, but he went for 70. But the larger thing that I wonder about that you have Devin Booker over the weekend, he goes for over the span of three games, 46 points, 62 points and 44. The last two in a loss, by the way, I, I, it was one of the biggest three-game scoring uh, outbursts that, that we've ever seen. You know, 50 points a game over over the course of uh, three games. Yeah, you go one and two. So we have this time right now, and I don't know if it has something to do with January legs. Like, guys are in rhythm. You come in in October, November. You're kind of getting your legs under you. you don't have, you're not as sharp or whatever. I wonder if there's something to January. You're not quite tired from the full season, but you're in rhythm. Because I just remember Kobe's big scoring burst out in 2006. That was January. James Harden's had a big outburst in January. Maybe there's something about January and scoring in the NBA. I'm, I'm very curious. But if you look right now, going all the way back to 1970, you have two players that are in the top 10 in points per game right now in Luka and Joel Embiid. You're going back 54 years of NBA history, and yet two of your top scorers' points per game are happening at the same time. You've got all these 60-point games happening in one week. 
I do feel like it's, we can sit back and look and say, okay, this year feels like a, we can't, it, it's completely different than historical precedent because yeah. of how many guys are having these giant games. Yeah. Do you think that, do you remember the time in the NBA? Cause I certainly do. Even, even when I was in the league, uh, where 40 was like a big number, you know, if a dude had 40 it, it, yeah. either on my team when I was playing or against my team, or like, you know, like you do as a player, you, you watch another game or you look at a box score the next day, right? You're like, Damn, such and such had 40 points. Like that was a big number, big number. I remember Antoine Walker had 49 points against us when I was in Washington and he was playing for the Celtics. And it was like, it felt like 80, like the way the right. building was reacting. It was, it was in our building, the way the building was reacting to this guy getting 49. And we're a little desensitized now somewhat to these to these nights. And we're now so expecting them. And I guess what? I mean, at this point, if we had four in this short a period of time and we're basically shortly after the midway point of the season, is there any reason to think we're not going to have more? Don't right. you think you think we'll get more 60 games this year? I mean, 60? I mean, maybe. I, why, we had four last week. Of course, I'm saying like we that's had four possible. in a week. Four in a week. And you said, to your point, maybe – I think there. I think that's a good. That's a good, um, astute analysis on your part as far as the way a player feels at this time of the year. You're not completely like in that deep fatigue where you're you're sore right. every day yet. And actually, right. I don't think guys get to that uh, to the extent that they used to because of the schedule spread out more, and you also aren't really practicing hard on those off days. That mentality has changed around the league, and it probably preserves guys' legs a little bit better throughout the year. So you do feel fresher. If anything, maybe the defenses are a little bit more fatigued this time of year. And so guys are taking advantage of that, but we had four in a week. Why would right. we think we're not going to get more? Now, let me ask you something who in the league that's currently playing doesn't have a 70 point game under their belt that you think probably would have had by now. I mean, Kevin Durant would be, yeah. would be one Durant, guy right? I would expect him. Yeah. doesn't seem that interested in that. Does he? Man, I don't know. His career high is 55, and it's like it's just it's always so efficient. Yeah, he never yeah. puts up big numbers on bad like bad nights. Typically, I mean, they're really like, he's just such an efficient scorer. It right. just doesn't seem like you could picture Kevin Durant like shooting the ball like ten straight trips. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it just it, it's not. I don't think what he believes is supposed to look. And by the way, to that point, all right, you mentioned it, Booker, what he's done the last three games, two losses. 62, he loses to Indiana, loses 44 last night to Orlando. Orlando's a good defensive team. Yeah. But my point is this. What do you think the tenor and the tone psychologically is of the Phoenix Suns right now? You think that's healthy? Like, isn't this the reason you have three guys of this caliber on the same team so you don't have to have nights like that? Right. Like, that's the whole point. Bradley Beal right. had nine points last night. Durant had 15. You know, and – it's yeah. just like it's just kind of weird that you kind of expect it on a team like Dallas. You expect it on a team like Philly almost, you know, for those guys to do that. But to do that on a team when you've got that much firepower at the top, I don't know that that's necessarily like a great vibe. Like in that, I, I, I used to do a show. I used to do a show with George Carl. And I remember he told me the worst thing was when Carmelo would have a 15-point first quarter. He hated it because yeah. he knew the rest of the game the team was going to be feeding him and, and saying, like, man, he's got it going. Like, you, you kind of let it happen. And I do feel like there's a level of that to anybody. Not even It's not even selfish. It just almost feels like human nature to think 
man, this guy could go for 50, 60, 70 tonight. Like you want to feed a guy. And sometimes that can disrupt your rhythm, especially when you have to be given the ball. Like a guy like Luca brings the ball up. He dictates what's going on. But when you have to feed a Carl Anthony Towns or give the ball to a Devin Booker, that's when it can become even more distracting. Is there a guy capable of getting 60 that hasn't done it that, that you think could do it this year? Has Kyrie gotten 60 in his career? I can't remember because oh, he's no, another guy know. that when he when he gets I didn't really know, hot. I, I forgot that Tatum got the sixty. That he's got, he's had a sixty point <laughs> game. What about a guy like what about a guy like Shea? Man, Shea's doesn't one of the that go, doesn't that go against what their team is? Like that's what I'm that's, saying. That's why I would say you're right. I, I would have a hard time believing in them to do that. And then the other thing is, I, some teams, Dallas is one of them. The Suns are another one. The, the Timberwolves are another one. I can see them losing games with a big score. I can't see the Thunder. The Thunder are just too good defensively and everything else that if Shea was, if he had a 40-point half on way to a 60-point game, they're probably up 20. So he's probably not playing a whole ton of minutes. What about, what about, well, Luka. What's Luka's, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jokic's <laughs> career high? There's no way I could see Jokic doing it. I, what's no, his it's, career high? It, it's 53 and it happened in the playoffs. There you go, man. That sums up everything. That sums up everything. What you just said, it really man. Does. It's so true. I'm, I'm just looking at. I'm looking at the top guys. Like, I could actually yeah. see a. I could. What's Donovan Mitchell's career high? Well, he had he had the seventy point game. That's Remember, right. He, he had, had seventy years plus. ago. He's yeah, the type 100%, of guy you percent. And, and yeah. look, I forgot about that. hundred percent. I'm looking at him. Say, yep, I could definitely see him doing it. What about a guy <laughs> like Aaron Fox? I don't know if he – I mean, he does get hot from three from time to time. I would have a harder time believing he could get to 60-70. I think he can score. I mean, 50-point game, I could see it. But he scores in a different way. I could see two I could see two other guys maybe doing it too. I could see Anthony Edwards potentially doing it. Yeah. Because I, I, I think Anthony Edwards could get that hot. And based on the fact right. that, hey, we let Cat do it. It's my turn. Right. Like, nobody better say a word about me going forward if I get hot early and I got a 24-point first quarter. Guess what, guys? I'm trying to get 60 right. tonight. I could see that. And I could also – believe it or not, and it's not because of, like, any sort of, like, selfishness as a scorer. I could see a guy like Jalen Brunson yep. doing it. Yep. Because he would a great have scorer. to. On a given night, like he just would have to do that for his team to win. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, but it's, it's my, look, man, it's, it's not anything anymore that shocks us. It, it used to be shocking to the conscience to hear a guy get 60 points in a game. Like you just really, oh my, right. how? That's incredible. Now it's just like, okay, four times in a week. It's like anything that you can think of. If you get exposed to it enough, it desensitizes to you a little bit to its greatness and its magnitude. Right. And I think that's just human nature. The more you see something, the less surprised right. or shocked or whatever it is by it. And I think that's kind of the range we're getting into with these scoring outbursts. The other guy, there's only one other guy, as you were going through this list, I thought it was interesting. The only other guy is Tyrese Maxey. And I know he's got Embiid on his team. So this would take a little like conscious effort on Embiid's part to say, hey, I want my guy to have, and it would actually be cool of him to do this. But Maxi is another one of those guys, like all the guys you're talking about, that have the downhill game. They have the step back game. And I almost feel like you need those two pieces to get to 70 because you need to just have a night where you're on fire on your step back three. 
you know, a couple bailout shots. And I and he has that. So it would almost be interesting for a team to load up on Embiid, say, hey, we can't let this guy go for 70, and then have another guy go for 70 on you as, as the I got, aftermath. I, got so, it, and I, saw, I saw this in the comments, so I want to I bring this up because I think it was really interesting. And I, I tell you, if – and the name was John ja Morant. And I said, yeah, okay, that's kind of interesting. Well, here's the thing. If John ja Morant goes for 60 or 70 points in a game – I think at that point the league would need to just shut down. Be and, here's, and here's why. Because John Morant's going to get almost all of those yeah. explosively at the rim, right? Yeah. And, he'll have, and he'll have floaters in there and some short banks. And, and he can make a three and stuff. But it's good. He, his nature is he sees daylight or a gap, man. He is exploding downhill at the yeah. rim. And if you're able to get to the rim like that much on a given night, playing the way he plays at, you know, at 165 pounds or whatever he weighs to do that. Then, you know, that the league has lost all physicality in the paint whatsoever. Right. Uh, right. But look, certainly he's talented enough. He might have the mentality and maybe he would be a guy that has a 30 point first half one night and just kind of goes, okay, you know, and, and his teammates want that for him. That's also, I think part of it, although that was a little bit different right. in the Minnesota game, his teammates kind of got to <laughs> want that and be cool with that. Yeah. And that's why I'm also wondering about how Phoenix feels right now because he had the 160 point. But then to follow it up with a 44 when the other two guys, the stars, combined for 25 points and you lose again, that's yeah. got to be a little bit of an interesting walk-in the next day to the facility, I think, for everybody. Kind of thinking, like, what are we what are we doing right now? Like, what is yeah. this? You know, and, and that's, that's where you start to kind of look internally at, like, what's best and how we operate. And that's why I think a guy like Shea – he might not do it, might not ever do it because it goes against what makes them so great as a team. Right. I, I have so much more to say on this. Maybe we'll get back to it again the next time a guy goes for 70 points. Maybe it's nobody that we talked about. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe Anthony it's Simons. Or, week. Maybe by yeah, Friday's maybe. show we'll have another one to talk about. Uh, maybe it's Desmond Bain goes for 70. Who knows? It could be anyone. Um, all right. Let's get in. I asked you, to pay off the headline of today's show, I asked you who would be the five – players you would least want to guard this is not the best scores necessarily although maybe your list is but this was five guys that you thought would be the most you have them on the calendar and you go man this is a tough one tonight. i do not like this this matchup so i'm curious who your five guys were put that graphic up there emma let's just get into it so and i i went by obviously i'm not talking about like anybody in the league like trying to realistically like the position yeah. they play like i could end up on these guys all right, right, so and there's different reasons for all of them. So for Curry, when I played, you could hold guys off the ball and you could get your hands around their waist and you could impede their ability to run and run you ragged. Even a guy like Reggie Miller who ran more than anybody I ever covered, you could at least try to hold them and use your physical strength as an advantage to slow them down or wear how them much down. Does that help? How much, They've honestly, taken that how much out. Does it help? We'll say that again. How much does that help, the hand check? I, I, like sincerely. Well, up to, what I'm talking about first is, is different. So the hand check is more like when a guy's dribbling and you can get into their waist. Right? That definitely right. helps. If you're, if you, if you, and I, I was pretty strong, man. I had to use that as my advantage. I wasn't going to be necessarily laterally the quickest, so I had to be able to use my strength to dictate a little bit where I wanted you to go. That's the hand check. What I'm talking about is off the ball holding oh, guy. I got you. Yeah. So like they're about to come off a down screen, and you could get on the lower side of them and wrap your arms around their waist, and it was like allowed. And it was up to you as a player to chop the hand off of you. Like literally take your fist and pound someone's forearm 
to get them to let go so that you could get a, a release and come off the screen a little bit cleaner. They've taken that away. So that's why Curry would be an absolute nightmare. Chasing him without being able to hold him a little bit with the screens he gets. And then once he did catch it, if you were there, the <laughs> handle in the range. So forget it. That's yeah. a nightmare. All right. Put the graphic back up. We'll go right one after the other. All right. Darren Fox is very simple. It's like this the, the quickness factor, the speed, the yeah. start stop acceleration. And he's got the green light at that position to shoot whenever he wants. But that quickness is just next level quickness combined with a like voracious scoring appetite. That's like a nightmare when you can't hand check out on the perimeter. When a guy's dribbling, Shea, Shea is more because the the start stop herky jerky, and even when you play him well, I've never seen a guy stop quicker on a dime at any point in his dribble move and rise up and shoot an on balance shot. So even when you play him really well, he has this ultimate answer at the end that he can stop before you know he's going to. And that little nanosecond of space is all he needs to embarrass you. The last two are for, for a little bit of a different reasons. I would just get sick of Luka Doncic smiling and laughing all the time. Okay, <laughs> he you're like, oh, he's big, smirk, you know, he's, he's big and strong. And that, and okay, that played more into like, I liked kind of those kind of battles because you could get into guys a little bit and use your strength. Well, he's obviously just so strong and he's wide-shouldered and all that. He's got to handle a step back. I'd live with the step back, whatever. None of that stuff would bother me. Not even him getting 60 would bother me. What would bother me was the smile on his face the whole time. Like that's the stuff that just you know makes you want to fight. And then finally, Devin Booker. And I think with Booker, it's because there are a few guys, if anyone, in the league that kind of gets it going even a little bit and is so hungry for the next shot. And like all he has on his mind when he gets going is getting another shot. And it, it, that's, that's like mentally exhausting because the only guy I played against that like every single time he caught it, wanted to go was Jordan. Yeah. Even, even the other hall of famers, like you play, I played against Clyde Drexler and Reggie Miller. I mentioned Mitch Richmond, like great two guards. Right. But at some point they were going to throw the ball into the post to right. Hakeem or Rick Smiths or whatever, and they were going to kind of spot up and wait. That's the way the game was played. The Jordan in the triangle offense, the ball wasn't, you know, you weren't worried about the going in the post to a scorer. It was going in there so he could cut and get it back. So he never took his foot off the gas. That's kind of how Booker is. Like, he is so hungry when he gets cooking that that, to me, would just mentally wear you out. So that's the list that I came up with for different reasons on each guy. Booker, when he gets hot, he does have the demoralizing shots too, where it's like, if my hand was in the face, I read the move perfectly. I forced him to the spot. I was trying to force him to, and the ball didn't even move the net. It just, it just went in. And he's in one of those zones right now. He was in it in the playoffs last year and down the stretch. We'll see if he can consistently get to that zone. And then to your point, where does that integrate to the rest of what they're doing? Let me ask you, cause you had two things I made notes of during that, that list. Number one, Lucas smirk. Cause you're look, there are other players that are cocky that talk trash but he has the like facial expressions of it that are so so frustrating. Yeah. Who else do you remember that had that? Just a face that was like you couldn't look at him after he made a basket because of the face you knew he was giving. Oh, that's a good one. The look, it was it wasn't the look when I played. It was the talking. Yeah. It was the incessant talking, right? And we had Who some legendary you know most? We had some legendary trash talkers, right? They were in the league at that time. The look, here's what's the difference between the trash talk. 
trash talk is something that you grow up with. You know, you just know that that's part of basketball. You've, you've yeah. every pickup game you've ever played in, it goes on all the time. You're just used to it. The smile is what it's saying is what it's saying is I can't believe how easy this is. <laughs> totally. Okay, that's like the trash talk is you're you 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 know you score on a dude, you're talking to him, telling him you can't guard me, this, that, and the other. And you know if if, if you get down the other end and that guy scores on you, he's gonna say the same thing back. The smile is a level of arrogance that is like Man, you know, this is just so fun, isn't it? This is so yeah. easy. <laughs> and you're just, you know, and so, and I noticed it from him, like right off the bat, like earliest rookie year. And I remember saying, man, oh man, that he's going to have a mark on him. Now yeah. the league has legislated a lot of what you do in that situation. Oh, right. Yeah. It's just yeah. out of the league. Like, and, and, you know, you could lay a guy I'm out. I'm for that. I'm thankful I played for that and yeah, you would get, you, you know, you'd get a, you'd get a flagrant. But even then, it had to be seen in real time. You weren't going to go to the replay in the first half of my career. I wanted to look at the replay. You get a flagrant, but you'd stay in the game. And, like, it didn't matter how hard the foul was. Um, if I recall, the clothesline that Rambus even gave on, on uh, Kevin McHale in the finals was a, just a two-shot foul, if I recall. I don't think anything even came of that. He tried to kill him. So, And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but, but what I'm saying is, like, that's that could have been dealt with, like, when I played. You know, you could have dealt with a guy acting that way. There's not much you can do about it now. So he's going to continue to smile and smirk and and do that thing. And that's why that, to me, is like the ultimate level of disrespect. The smile and the smirk is way worse. And it's not. this is more than just joy because people are saying, well, well, you said Clay Thompson doesn't show enough emotion legs, and now you're saying you shouldn't smile. <laughs> no, 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 no. Two different things. Joy, joy about playing well and being happy yeah. and like – that's that's totally different. We know what I'm talking about. We're talking about that's yeah. just that, that like it's just kind of like, you know, you kind of stay just like got your problems yeah. up. Just like yeah, you know, I Steph remember Curry Joe had Ingles, a little of this. Joe Steph Ingles has a little did of that. Paul George in the playoffs. Joe Ingles. Yep. Yeah. Had a big that's a game against Oklahoma City where he made a bunch of corner threes and he had twenty something, <laughs> and he gave him the smile when yep. he ran by one time, and I was just like, you know, Joe Ingles definitely Joe Ingles had this. Yeah, he's a, he's a sneaky one. That's a great call out. I love that you also brought up hand checking and and the physicality off ball because here's my thing. They legislated that out of the game because they wanted more scoring. Teams and players have adjusted in my opinion to be more skilled than ever in terms of like putting the ball on the floor, the body control, the shot. But some of that is because you're rewarded. Some of the moves guys do today, you couldn't do if a guy can just push you or or knock you off yeah. balance. So yeah. now that you can do it, guys start to work on it and hone it. And I think personally I would love for the physicality to come back to the game and allow a lot more of this contact, in part because I think offensive players have also weaponized the rule book. So now it's not just about, okay, a guy gets a hand on you, it makes it harder to score, but I think it's Damian Lillard. He feels a hand on you, he stops, he jumps sideways, and now it's a foul. That's what I want out of the game. I don't necessarily want the physicality, but I yeah. want the parts where guys have taken advantage of the lack of physicality. I want that out of the game. And I think the only way you do that is to once again, allow a hand on up a guy, allow some of this stuff. So guys aren't ripping the ball through or jumping sideways and, and taking advantage of it. So let me, let me ask you something real quick. Do you, what do you think? Do you think the league is happy with these scoring outbursts? Is, is this what they want? 
I just don't know how you could want it because on the one hand, it is great when it happens every now and then. Kobe's 81 was a top story of a decade. It was one of the biggest things. But when it's happening all the time, there, it does have a little magic that's lost from it. So I think that I don't know what the NBA thinks. I think they just look at like social media data and say, OK, that's what we like, which I think is crazy. Yeah. But I have to imagine that this is a thing that only feels good in short, but it's like a sugar rush. It gives you this little hit of, wow, that's cool. But over time it goes, it's kind of silly. It's at the point that the frequency of these outbursts in the regular season is now making it to where it might only feel really special again if it's done in the postseason. You know, you yeah. give me you give me a right. 50 to 60 point game in a playoff game, that's that's you know, where you know the effort yeah. level is at max. And look, the rules are still, you know, people think automatically, oh, well, did the playoffs get here? Can't play like that. Well, that's not true. There's going to be some high-scoring games in the playoffs because the rules are dictating that that's the case and the number of threes, right? Most teams right. are combining for 70 to 80 threes a night. So the numbers will be up, but the shots are contested at a higher rate because the effort level is just better. And mm -hmm. you have multiple games in which you're playing the same team over and over, so the adjustments yep. – to sets and things like that, right? You can tweak it to your advantage as much as you can. So yeah, it'll it definitely becomes a little bit more difficult to score. But look, I think the most entertaining game or one of the most entertaining games I watched all year was Denver and Boston. 96, and 98, 100. Yep. Yeah. And I, and it's not just because of the final score. I watched every second of the game and yep. it was like, wow, I knew right away they're letting them play. They're yeah. letting them play tonight. This game is not going to be, you know, decided with a bunch of whistles that make guys reluctant to want to guard people. They let them play on the perimeter, especially in the post. There was a lot of contact in the post on when, when guys were trying to back down on ISOs. And I loved it. I, I and, and it was so entertaining. And it was a two-point game, two of the best teams in the league, maybe the two best teams in the league, going at it. And you're like, wow, this is a preview of what this could look like when you get to the playoffs. I think these scoring outbursts in a regular season are now making it to where like, you know, 40 to 50 in a playoff game. Wow. Now you're like, now you're really showing me something because every one of those right. probably mattered. And yeah. so, you know, that's, that's, I think, unfortunately where we're at. I'm, I'm curious one time we should do a poll with every person that checks in for a comment and have yeah. them before their comment say, do they prefer this style? Yeah right? Where the scoreboards right. are being lit up every night to this extent and record setting offenses, or did you like it when there was more physicality in the game and it was a little bit more to the defensive end of the floor being able to affect the game because it, it feels like a lot of that's taken out right now, the defense affecting the game. And that's why what the Clippers did over the weekend in Boston stood out to me to such an extent. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hit that outro music, Emma. Legs, this was, I loved this episode. I loved all the things we talked about. I loved the passion. I loved the, the, the laughs, but it was definitely our most old man yells at cloud episode, which is good. Us old timers talking about, hey, man, we don't like this, this way, which is funny. Um, nonetheless, the thing about you and I, Legs, is we genuinely and wholeheartedly love basketball. We love the game. We love the NBA. And that's why we watch all these games. So, when we're bothered by something, it comes from a place of us both loving the league and wanting it to be the best version of itself, or at least what we perceive it to be. And that's why some of the things over the weekend annoyed us. But you know what? It happened on football weekend. Nobody was watching but us, Legs. That's probably true. Right. Uh, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Really good slate of games tomorrow, so or tonight. So we should have no shortage of things to talk about, including 
Giannis and the Bucks coming to Denver to face the Nuggets tonight. That one should be a great one. And we've got the Timberwolves and the Thunder, a rematch of a game that happened a week ago. That one should carry plenty of drama. I think both teams are going to take it seriously. So we'll have a lot to talk about. Hit the like button first on the way out. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Like the mayor.